0: Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So I'm going to start a new series today entitled Mirror, Mirror, and uh, you can fill in the blank, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all, whatever. You can fill in the blank of your favorite little uh, fairy tale that you've heard. But we're going to talk today a little bit about this in the series that we're starting on Mirror, Mirror. The whole purpose for this series is to, Dim. I'm going to go back to what I said the first of the year. I, as a pastor, you might think that the number one questions I get asked have to do with theological questions, and I do get some of those, but not that, not as many as you might think. You might think that I get a lot of questions about, well, what, is, what does the Bible say about all these different things, and it has to do with deep theological truths, and it's, you, you, you'd be wrong. The number one topic of conversation that people ask me about as a pastor is anything, if it has to do with anything theologically, you know, substantive, whatever, it's going to have to do with relationships based on typically relationship with God or relationship with other people. If I do get asked a question about the Bible, most of the time, not all, there's always exceptions to the rule, there's always, but most of the time people ask me, what does the Bible say about this? Am I good with God? Or is my relationship with God good? Can you give me a scripture to help me with that? But most of the time it has to do with one another. Hey, I'm dealing with this with my family, can you help me? I'm going through this with a spouse, can you help me? I got this with my kids, can you help me with this? Can I, <clears throat> I got this deal going on on the job, can you help me with this? It's typically, majority of what I get asked is not about the book of Revelation. It's just not. Now, if you have questions about that and you want to ask me, you can ask me, and maybe you and I can high-five later, but I'll be honest with you most people aren't stuck in revelation most people are stuck in i got kids a house family this this is going on i'm taking care of in-laws outlaws cousins whatever i got i'm taking care of i I need how do i manage this as a christian so that's the kind of questions that's what we're going to talk about when we say mirror mirror we're going to look at what do you see when you see in the mirror what is it? Not, I'm not talking about what you fix on your face. I'm not talking about how you shave and how you dress and what you put on the makeup and all. I'm not talking about your physical appearance. I'm talking about who do you see when you look in the mirror? Who is it that is talking to you or looking at you right back in the eyes? What is it that you see? Who do you see? And how do you deal with that person? How does that person deal with other people as a Christian? Now, this, uh, this winter, we stayed at a friend's house over the winter months and it was cool, man. They had a cool kitchen. Have you ever seen those, uh, like, you ever watch Food Network? You ever see the, the cool kitchens? You know what I'm talking about? Like, right, they got, that is kind of like this kitchen setup, right? It's got, I mean, a gas-fired stove. It's got all the stuff just, I mean, they had all the kind of kitchen stuff. It was, it was just really cool. Everything was set up just right. It made you just want to cook. You know, have you ever been to a kitchen that was set up just to cook? Like, you know, I mean, everybody has a kitchen you can cook in. I'm not talking about that. I mean anybody's got a couple of spoons in the drawer you can stir with. I'm talking about, man, when you go into somewhere and it's set up like it's ready to roll, you're like, man, I feel like emerald like bam. You know, I feel like I'm the man in here, you know, it makes you want to cook. And this kitchen, I, I couldn't build anything working at our house, so I, I usually build things and kind of, you know, if you're a creative person, you gotta you you tend to want to do something. And so Haley started messing with me because I started cooking more. Like I'm like, baby, how can you not cook in this kitchen? Why not? I mean, it's so cool gas-fired stove. You know that whole expression people tell you, now you're cooking with gas? Like, I get that. I mean, you know, you take a little salt. It's just, you feel like somebody ought to have the camera on me right now. I'm going to, you know, bam, you hit the garlic like that, you're doing some chopping. and Anyway, it's, it's just a it kind of, man, I was like, man, this is kind of nice. But one thing I learned while cooking there is there's a difference between salts. Like, I don't know if you notice this, but when you go to your restaurant, that is called table salt that's what maybe probably most of you have in the cabinetry unless you cook you don't know there's probably another type of salt for all the cooks in the room knows there's different kinds of salt if you don't cook you just think what is there any other salt there's table what else is there there is table salt found this out there is kosher salt and then there's something called sea salt now you may not think it's a big deal but it is a big deal fellas let me tell you something if you want to grill some great steaks Table salt is not your friend. It does not adhere. Let me, let me just break it. It does not adhere to the molecular structure of beef. <laughs> do you understand? It just kind of, it's granules. It's just kind of, you know, it's just there. It's what, the reason it's on your table is because they didn't cook it so good in the kitchen. Just saying, when you get a good steak at the restaurant, do you really have to salt it? No. You pay a little more for it, but you know what's on that state? Secret, kosher salt. It, you pick it up with your fingers, like the people on TV. They don't have trick salt. It's kosher salt. I thought the whole time they had like table salt, like we had at ours. Like, how do you hold that? How do they hold a whole and make it do like that? You know, it just falls out of your hand. Not kosher salt. You pick it up. It's like little snowflakes, and it just holds there, Whoosh, and it rains down on state. And it just adheres to the beef. And it absorbs into the beef. It doesn't sit on top and just say, like, I'm going to hang out for a while. It goes down deep. It just kind of goes into the steak. And when you cook it, man, I'm sorry if I'm making you hungry, but when you cook, you don't want to spend 50 bucks on a couple of slabs of ribeyes and run it with table salt. And you're like, man, what's wrong with my steak? And I have to redo stuff at the end. And it's cold. You've got to prep it right. It's kosher salt. Like, man, the Jewish people know some stuff that we don't know. Stuff's in the Bible. Because you're salt. Here's the other thing I learned about salt. I kind of knew this from school. Sorry, you guys that already know this, forgive me if I'm wrong. I don't want to hear about it, okay? Just for everybody else that's forgotten, this is for them right now. Y'all don't correct me later on, okay? you But do you know that salt is not actually one element? It's actually two, watch it, elements. <laughs> They've come together, it's called a compound element, don't. <laughs> Thank you very much. But do you realize it's two, they've fused in together as one, called the structure of the atom and the nucleus, don't, all this stuff. One's missing something, don't. They come together, they, they, they positively, they, ch- they come together like, like almost like a magnet. But did you know that that same kosher salt that makes a ribeye, shh, shh, and when you cut into it, it's like magic. That same salt, do you realize if you separate those two, are deadly. Sodium is lethal in its purest form. Like if you mix it with water, boom, it's crazy. Watch it. I got, I'm not, I got this much right. Chloride, think about chlorine, that, that element by itself, it'll kill you, man. But it's amazing how when you bring them together, it makes beautiful steaks. Is that not weird to think that what? I've been throwing this stuff on my food the whole time? And like, if when I, I, when I first found out about this years ago, I thought, man, so what if you're cutting into the, to your food and you accidentally split them? Like, and you, <laughs> you've heard of spontaneous combustion, right? I thought maybe that's what happened to somebody. They split the salt and, you know? But it's not how it works. It's very difficult to make that process happen. But salt, two elements coming to one, they, it works beautifully on food. So I share that with you because I want you to hear this this morning. And here's what I want to get. I want to get permission first before I get into this. Number one, I want you to give me permission this morning to share a few things with you. And you say, I have your permission to speak freely with you and you not get offended at me. Okay, can, can we do that this morning? Can everybody agree? Raise your hand if you agree. Okay, thank you. The second thing is I need your understanding in the area of when I discuss some of the things I'm going to discuss this morning that you understand from a standpoint of I'm going to be mature about this topic. And now not that you're not immature, I'm just asking you to be mature and understanding. Like I can listen to people who do not believe the same things that I believe in understanding and go, I could see maybe why they're coming from where they're coming from. Doesn't mean I have to agree with them. It just means I'm going to listen to them and understanding. That's the problem today with why we are so frustrated and divisive and angry today in everything in every area is we cannot just listen to somebody for a minute and say, I don't agree with you, but that doesn't mean I have to go nuts with you. So can we all agree that we're going to have understanding this morning in the area of maturity? Can I agree? Can we get some agreement there, right? Okay, good. All right. So listen, I want to share with you this morning a little bit about this. John chapter 1, verse 14, I'm going to put this on the screen for you. And just remember my illustration of salt, Okay. The scriptures say this about Jesus, that Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. I'm going to stop right there for a moment. Grace and truth. It did not say Jesus, first of all, was 50% grace and 50% truth. He's full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Scripture goes on to say this. John testified about him and then cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness, the fullness of God, you can read about this in Ephesians, but of the fullness of God, we have all received, all of us have received this, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. But watch this. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. One translation said this this way, but grace and truth were given to us by Jesus Christ, realized through Jesus Christ. It's the same type of uh, scenario, the word there, but he gave us grace and truth. Now, when I'm saying this to you, Hear me out for a moment. Grace and truth together is like kosher salt on a ribeye, baby. It just works. But if you separate them and you say, I only believe in grace, it's going to make a not-so-great steak. If you say, I only believe in truth, your steak is not going to be so great. Now, just to just to kind of give a moment for us all just to take a moment and think about this and why does this matter? Because grace and truth work together just like salt works together. Two different elements come together to make food taste better. I'll give you another scripture and then we'll talk about it, okay? So in John chapter 8 and verse 1, you can turn there, John chapter 8 and verse 1. You can click there or whatever you got. But it says, when Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, early in the morning, this is very important that you read the context of the Bible understand this, early in the morning he went back to the temple, he went again into the temple, and all of the people were coming to him, and he sat down and he began to teach them. Verse 3, the scribes and the Pharisees, the scribes were those who were the ones who, who took and they were the penmanship of the Bible. They would write the scriptures. You could not get, there was no printing press, you couldn't go get one at Barnes & Noble. These guys wrote, and they were... So because you can imagine, if you wrote this every day, that was your job and all you did was typesetting back, you know, years ago, are you proofread, Are you help, if that's all you did, you have a greater probably knowledge of where the Bible and the text goes than even those who preach it. It's just true. So they're, they're, they're there, the Pharisees are there, and they bring in a woman called in adultery. And having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, by the way, they brought a woman in, but they didn't bring the man in. And in the Bible, in the Old Testament, if you're going to accuse somebody of this, you bring them both in. Already they, you can tell something's up, right? Jesus can see they're trying to do something here. And he said, they said to him, teacher, this woman's been caught in the adultery, the very act. Now in the law of Moses, because remember, they know the Bible very much, very a- accurate with the Bible. The Bible says this, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now, in the law of Moses, he commanded us to stone such women. That's not, the Bible didn't say that. It says if you, you stone both, the offender and the one they're offending with. They didn't, you see what I'm saying here? Do you see the, do you see how they just kind of try to bring this in and mess with Jesus? But it says this, it says, this is what the Bible says. What do you say, verse 5? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger, he wrote on the ground. But they, when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up, and he said to them, "He's without sin among you. Let him be the first to throw a stone at her. So again, he stooped down and began writing in the ground again. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. Isn't it funny how when you start out in your faith, zeal... Yeah kind of takes more place than understanding, but as you age in your faith, and it's funny how much more understanding you get, not to pick on because we're young, I'm just saying it's funny, I used to be a lot more dogmatic when I was early in my faith, I'm a lot more understanding now that I've matured in my faith, do you understand what I'm saying? So he says, beginning with the older ones, they left, he was left alone finally with this woman, and she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Did anyone condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, well, I don't condemn you either. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So a lot of people see this, and they see Jesus as the hero of the story, and they, don't, they think, well, Jesus is good, and what's in the Mosaic law is bad, and so therefore Jesus is the hero. Anything in the Old Testament is bad, and so they don't, people have a hard time with this whole thing of, well, there's grace, and whether well, there's truth, and which, how does it all work? Well, we were in Israel, and our God that's been doing this the last couple of years with us is a Messianic Jew. That means he's a Christian. He's a Jewish person, but he's a Christian. He's a follower of Christ. And one of the things he did, we finally got to go up on the Temple Mount. It was the first time I'd have been able to do this. been wanting to do this every trip, and it's just very difficult because it's Muslim-controlled. And there's a whole history and backdrop on that. I don't have the time to get into this. But we took us up on top of the Temple Mount, and what he did, he illustrated this passage. And he said to us, he said, You know, this is what Jesus would have done. And so I'm going to show you a picture of this and let you see Ron. This is Ron. If you see the top of the Temple Mount, it would have been stones everywhere, a platform of nothing but, we would call it tile. They had stonework everywhere. And for the longest in all of the times I have ever read this scripture, I have actually heard people, I have said it myself, that Jesus was riding in the dirt. Have you ever heard this? Of course you have, because this is what we say. Because in our culture, when we go say we're writing in something, it just, we must be writing in something. the, The sentence structure itself, if you're going to write in something, we must be doing something inside something to create shapes and letters. That's not what he was doing. He began to write, the Bible says, on the ground, or in the ground, you could say, but for us, we should say it this way. He began to write on the ground. So as he's sitting there, he's writing, but there's nothing There's no letters. He's showing letters. But he began to explain this to us, and he said what he was doing was, he was showing that, listen, first of all, there's only one person that's ever written in stone, and that was God. He gave two tablets of stone on Mount Mount Sinai to Moses. And Jesus was, in effect, saying, I am God. And I could sentence, but I'm choosing to reveal something to you that you have forgotten And that is grace. And he wrote this down on the stone. As he was writing, he was expressing to them, I'm God. And I've got the authority. I'm the one that came up with this. Don't try to school me in what I created. But you have forgotten something that is so beautiful about who I am. And that is grace. And so he illustrated this to us. And when I saw that, I thought about it. I thought, it changes the whole imagery of Jesus and what he was doing. He was not ignoring the sin. He didn't say, well, it's okay, it's no big deal. He wasn't writing down the names of these guys and all their sins. He was illustrating the Ten Commandments right there. He was saying, no, it's not okay, but you're going at it the wrong way. You have forgotten how to heal, forgive, deliver, release, make atonement for. You have forgotten all these things. You just want to judge and sentence. So, as I was thinking about that, I thought about that in our relationships and how that you and I have been called to walk and live together with one another. And Jesus has given, out of his fullness, we have all been given grace and truth. In the fullness of Christ, he was filled with grace and truth, and he has now given to you and I grace and truth. And how do we function with one another in relationship through grace and truth? So let me say this to you. <clears throat> If you take any one of these out, I'm about to add a third one in with you. If you take any one of these three things out, this doesn't work. If you have only grace, it's not going to work. If you have only truth, it's not going to work. Even if you combine grace and truth, but you don't have this third thing, it's not going to be effective. And this third element is called time. Because... Jesus tells this woman, "Go and sin no more." How many of you know? Do you do you think she had temptation to maybe go back to this guy? Don't you think she did? It must be real. Come on, right? Yes, she did. Of course, she did. Why was she with him in the first place? Because something was going wrong at home in the first place. We don't want to talk about that. We only want to bring out what's been known. Nobody wants to go back and find out what's been going on. No, no, no. We'll just nobody. Nobody's at the house. That we don't know. But listen, she's not going to. Y'all told me that you was going to give me permission. Are we still got permission? Because, see, nobody talks about what's going on at home. They want to talk about what comes out in the public. But if I could come at home with you and hang out with you for a while, we might could figure out why something's happening in the public is because something's going on in the private. I know, I know, I know. I get it, I get it, I get it. You gave me permission. You already did it. I'm taking advantage of that this morning, okay? Don't start backtracking on me now. I'm like, oh, now, don't get into the stuff too deep. No, we need to get into it deep because if we don't, it's superficial religion. We'll be like scribes and Pharisees saying, well, they did something wrong. Well, they did something wrong. Well, they. we need to fix them. Well, what about us? If you come to my house long enough, Haley's not even here today. She's at home. One of my kids is sick. So listen. She's not here. I'll I'll pick on myself, okay? But she could tell you, if you came to us long enough in the private, you would find out that we don't have angels flying around the kitchen. (laughs) Like the anointing oil just doesn't just jump out of the bottle and adjust all of our children. It's like, oh, I feel so holy today, Daddy. I want to follow all of your instructions and mind you every single day of my life in Jesus' name. And they sing praises and open up hymn books. That doesn't work. We're real people too. But if you ignore it, And just come to church on Sunday and say, this is public, and we got it all together, and we don't talk about private, then it's just a facade of religion. It's not true. So you have to have grace, you got to have truth, and you got to have time. And I'm going to share these with you briefly, but I wanted to lay all that up right now with you. Grace, truth, and time. And without all three together, you have unrealistic expectations. So let's break it down real quick, okay? Break it down to each one. Grace, truth, and time. Ready? Okay, first, let's talk about grace just for a moment. Grace. If you're a grace person here, listen, I, I can guarantee you I can pick you out in just a moment. Pick you out in a moment, okay? I'm not a grace person. I'm just not. I, I-, I love you. I will forgive you. I have mercy on you and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not like the most like, um, what do we call merciful and graceful and like just, oh, it's going to be fine. I'm not like that. I'm not your guy. If you want to hear somebody say to you, oh, you're fine and everything's great and Jesus loves you. And, no, don't, don't ask me. Because I might tell you, you're not fine. It ain't good. No, you're a jerk. Like If you want to know my opinion, I will tell you. But don't ask me if you don't want to hear the truth. I fall on that side of the log, if you will, okay? But some of you guys fall off on the grace side of the log. And how do you know? Here's how you know. You can look to the person right now and ask them, hey, am I a grace person? If they look at you and don't answer, you ain't. (laughs) If they have to think about talking to you twice, they know right now, leave them alone. They're not a grace person. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Nothing wrong with that at all. You need people with mercy gifts and grace gifts. We need that. But you also need people to tell you the truth. Watch this about grace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God towards people. If you deserve it, it's not grace. If you earned it, it's not grace. I'm going to illustrate it to you right now, okay? So I'm going to see who is. Tyler here? Because I was going to pick. Okay, Tyler, come here. And the reason I'm picking on him is because he's. He's here. <laughs> Come here, man. Look, run to back. Will you run back there and get me another water? Will you? You know where they're at, right? Okay, the reason I said that is because he knows where they're at. Grace is not, it is not earned. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You cannot work for it. It's not grace. If any of those things happen, it's not grace. Okay? Grace is the unmerited favor of God towards humanity. And what grace does is, Something totally different. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Look, now, this is not the church's money. This is my money. My Everybody say, my money. It's mine. It's not the church's. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Go sit down. That's yours. I don't want it back either. So I did that not because I needed water. I did it for illustration. Actually, I think I did need some (laughs) more. Now, let me ask you a question. If I tell him thank you all day long, I gave him a $5 bill. I don't care how much I tell him thank you. I don't care how much I say I appreciate you. That was not grace. Do you understand? That was not grace. Zero. You know why? First of all, he did what I asked him to do. And then he expressed energy to go. Do, he did every... That is not grace. And you can say thank you all day long... You can say, oh, God, I've done this. If you enter the phrase, but I, it's already no longer grace. Grace is unmerited favor. You don't earn it, can't work for it. You couldn't save up for it enough. No, no, no. It is complete grace. Now, now this is grace. I'm just going to walk over here. I'm not giving you any money. I love you, but I'm not giving you any money. But watch this. Everybody's watching me right now. Why? Because they want the money. Straight up. Watch this. Look, I'm going to show you something. Watch. This is a $5 bill. Watch this. Look. This is my friend Sherman. Now, I know Sherman. Maybe you don't. I also know he does not need this. I don't mean to say he's like, I'm just saying he doesn't need this. He doesn't need my money. He does not need it. He's got his own. He can take care of his family. He does not need me. These two people, they, they do not need my help. They don't need my $5. Look, watch. This is grace. I don't want this back either. This is That's mine. I gave it to him. He doesn't need it. He didn't earn it. He didn't ask for it. This is me, complete grace. Now watch. Here's the flip side of it. Every one of us, though, we need God's grace. But the moment you think for a minute that you earned it or that you deserve it or that somehow, some way, you are more deserving of it than the person sitting across the hall from you, it's no longer grace. It's not. Grace is unmerited. You didn't earn it. <clears throat> you, don't des- you, you, know, you didn't deserve it, but God gave it anyway. And it's for people, watch this, that need it and for people that think they don't need it. It's for people who think they're right with God and for people who know they're not right with God. And the moment you ever get to the point where you think, well, I," it's no longer grace. Grace is free you don't have to do anything for it and when he says he gives us grace it's the same thing that adam and eve had when they walked in the garden they had what was called complete and pure grace of relationship with god and watch this even in the midst of truth because god said do not eat of the tree which is over here because in the moment you do that you're going to surely die it wasn't that they were absent from truth. They had truth. But they walked in complete grace with God. It was pure grace. But listen to me. Here's the flip side of it. Everybody wants grace, don't they? Who doesn't want grace? My goodness. I want grace? I'm a dad. I need lots of grace, man. Because when you're raising kids, you're thinking like, I mean, for those of you who already got your kids out of the house, you know, you almost need a trophy or something. They're like, whew. We did it, and they made it, you know. But, like, I'm in the midst of that whole process. And so you watch every day and think, man, I blew it today. Man, wow, oh, that's stunk. What a great job of parenting right there, you know? Did, you know. And you think, I hear all these stories about people, and what do you try to and you figure out things, and you learn. But you've got to give grace in the areas of life. you you just got to. But grace, watch this, without any truth, here's the other side of it, is giving people a license just to do whatever they want to do. So the scripture, I'm reading read you a couple of scriptures real quick. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13, listen to what the scriptures say. For you are called to freedom, my dear brothers and sisters. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love you serve one another. In other words, you've been given freedom, you've been given grace, but watch this, don't listen to these people out there that tell you it doesn't matter, it does matter. It does matter. For without holiness... You shall not see the Lord. The holiness of the Lord matters, and God is not asking you to be perfect or he would have not given you grace. He gave you grace to understand the fact that you are not perfect, but to learn his ways to lean on him and to be more like him and to figure out that process. But don't listen to these people tell you, it doesn't matter. Do whatever you want to do because God loves you and there's grace. That is not grace. That's got a license to sin is what it's called. It is not grace. Listen to what the Proverbs says. Proverbs 13, 18 says, Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline, but he who regards reproof will be honored. Grace is a beautiful thing. But watch, without any truth, it's like salt that's been divided into two elements. It can be very deadly. You may think, I just don't believe that. You told me you'd have understanding. I'm telling you, it's the truth. I've been pastoring long enough to see this so many different times. Hear me out right now. I'm not saying this is a word of the Lord. I'm just telling you this is the gospel truth. You put grace by itself, and it's a destructive path. It don't happen overnight. It takes time for the seed to develop, but it does happen. It does happen. Now, watch this. Here's truth. Now, this is the side that nobody wants, (laughs) But, but we want other people to get it and not get away with it, right? Isn't that true? This is the side that nobody really wants truth, and they're like, you know, Give me grace, but not truth, let's don't, let's don't do that so much, but give them truth, you know. And so for all the truth people in here, raise your hand. You don't have to raise, but that's me. I mean, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll, I'll be in the room for you, okay? For all of us people who just <clears throat> have issues we don't like to talk about because we think we're right, because we're truth people, right? It's like black and white, this is how it is, you know. God help us all. We, we, need, we need help too. Truth is very, very important. But truth without grace is only judgment, literally. It is judgment. It is what it is. So let me read you a couple of scriptures from this, okay? Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. Watch this. It says, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, watch this, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I have heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And too many times people are trying to hide from the truth because they don't want to hear what God said, or they're ashamed of what God is going to say, or they're guilty about something God has said. But real truth in its purest form is actually helpful, but truth by itself without grace is very judgmental. I mean, you can always find it, too. I mean, listen, we come up with some crazy stuff, but you've got to admit the nuttiest thing you've ever heard of is a guy and a gal sewing fig leaves together to make underwear. Am I not wrong? Couldn't you have come up with something better? Of course you could because we've been so evolved. We've evolved so much since then. We've got Hanes and Fruit of the Loom and cotton and linen and all that kind of stuff now. But back then, what did they have? They didn't know they were naked until they sinned. So the first thing they thought of, there's all kind of vegetables. I mean, there's everything out there. All kinds of stuff's growing. All kind of leaves. They could have sewn anything together. Instead, they took the most itchy, the most... If you've ever picked figs, them, the leaves are awful. I mean, it's like a... And it's not like why you're doing it at first. It's later on that it gets you. Like, at first, you don't think about it. Later on, it starts itching to you, and then you're like, I can't... It won't stop. Can you imagine? They're like, yes, God, we were hiding... You know, we're, we're hiding from you, Lord. No, they, they look like you, they, anyway, you get it. Truth, though, by itself is, without grace, it's just, it's just judgment. Galatians 5 says it this way. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You've fallen away from God's grace. Truth by itself says this woman's caught in the act of adultery. What do you say? Because the Bible says stone her right now. Knock her out with some rocks, but what about the rest of the Bible? There's all kinds of things are in the Scripture. Why take one thing out? It's because we typically like to take the one thing out that we're secure in and have power over, but we won't dare take out something we have issues in. That's why truth is so dangerous without grace. With grace alone, we're safe from condemnation. But there's no real true. Intimacy, real intimacy always comes with truth. In a marriage, the most, the strongest marriages happen because they are truthful with one another. When Haley asks me, does this color look right on me? I say, no. Now you might think, you're a fool. No, 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 no. I've learned something. I used to say, yeah. Oh, baby, that color's great on you. Yeah. Try, yeah. And then she'd go with some of her friends, and they'd say, well, girl, you know, it's not really your color. She'd come back to me. I thought you said it looked good. Well, it does, baby. You look great. But it's not my color. How do you know? Because my friend told me. Now you're faced with a dilemma. What are you going to do now? Keep lying? Well, I mean, I was going to say but I didn't want to kind of, well, why didn't you tell me the truth? So I figured out something. Don't get it on the back end. Get it on the front end. And you say, no, that's really not your color. But that one right there, that's your color. Now, that color right there makes your eyes shine, make your skin glisten. You know, that you look, baby, you look, I mean, you're looking real good in that color right there. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm going to keep it right there for you, but that's, that's the key. But listen, just grace by itself. An honesty, no truthfulness, no real intimacy. Ephesians 4 said it this way. Listen to this now. Wrap up with the next part. Ephesians 4 says, what is it? <clears throat> that is not what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the what? The what? The truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your, watch this, new nature. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Can it, just be honest in here right now. Does anyone really feel like they fit those descriptive words? Like I'm righteous and I'm holy and I got my new nature on. When I came to church today, I put on my new nature. I'm just, that's me today. I'm righteous and holy and I feel... So. No, there's nobody in here that just automatically feels that way. You have to put that on. The way the Bible says. The Bible declares you by grace, you are Righteous. You are righteous. And what it makes you do is humble yourself enough to say, God, how can you call me righteous because of his grace? And it makes you forget about judging others but receiving more of grace from God. It goes on to say, he says, Instead you put the Spirit... Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Verse 24, put on your new nature. Created be delight, like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the what? You know, every time I read this, I think about the movie A Few Good Men. Colonel Nathan Jessup is on the stand. You know, Tom Cruise is going after him. He says, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I mean, just get some... That's how I think we feel sometimes. The reason we can't handle the truth is many times because of how it's delivered. Tell the truth to one another in love, respect, knowing this, that I myself have flaws too. People tell me truth that I don't want to hear, but it's the truth. Truth. Here's the thing. I'm going to wrap up with this last one. If you have grace and truth, but you don't throw in some time, All you're going to have is great Bible studies. And I'm serious about it. You'll be very proficient in teaching people about grace or teaching people about the truth. We could teach on it all day long. Let me tell you about what grace. Let me tell you about truth. Truth, truth, truth. You know, it doesn't matter. It, It does not matter if that's all we have without time. Because you know as well as I do, isn't it true, that when you came to Christ... You cried your eyes out, maybe, or maybe you did like me. I had this preacher guy beside me. He was crying, so it made me cry, too. I was balling. me. He had big old cowboy boots, and he's a big old man, you know. I'm crying like, oh, man, I'm Jesus, take all my sins. I'm 10 years old, man, about the worst thing I've done. Maybe some cussing and some stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe I stole some lollipops and maybe some change out of the drawer. But, man, I mean, you know, I'm just, oh, Jesus, I need you. I'm just crying everywhere. You know, you do all that, and then you feel like, <gasps> like Superman. I feel like everything's just new and fresh. And about five minutes out the door. You didn't mean to, but you said the word that you thought you would never say again. I thought I was saved. And then you tell some buddies of yours, man, I got saved. You got what? Yeah, I got saved. Christian, man. I mean, I'm Jesus lives in me. And you're like, what? Wow. Like, what's wrong with you? And then just a couple of days later, you do the same thing they did. And they say to you, I thought you were saved. Because everybody knows this is true. When you come to Christ, you need time to grow. But isn't it funny how we tend to not give other people in our life the very same thing that we ourselves need, which is time. I'm going to read your verse of Scripture and wrap up with this. Everything happens in time. Everything does. Luke 13 says this way. Let me read this to you. Luke 13. Jesus began uh, telling this parable. See if you notice grace and truth in this scripture. Jesus began telling this parable, Luke 13, verse 6. He said, a man had a fig tree in which had been planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it, and he did not find any. Now, you have to understand, this is a business and operation. If you had a vineyard, this is not just a guy who had one fig tree. He had a vineyard. This is a business venture. It says, and he came looking for fruit on it, and he didn't find any. Verse 7, he said, and he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Watch. Cut it down. What does that sound like? It's truth, but no grace. Just cut it down, man. I don't got time to fool that anymore. I got stuff to do. They should get with the program, don't they understand? Cut it down. But the guy who works for him, listen to what he says. After this guy, he even actually goes further. He says, "Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? You know, it's like using resources, man. It breathing air. Cut it down." You know, verse eight. And the guy there, he said to the owner, "How about leave it alone, sir? What does that sound like to you? Some grace." And then he says something very interesting for this whole year, too. Until I can dig around it and put in some fertilizer, and if it bears fruit next year, well, that's fine, that's great, be good for you. But if it doesn't, then you can cut it down. Now, I'm not a gardener, but I know enough by living with my grandparents, I know enough to make some stuff grow. And as long as I can keep up with it, I can maintain. This is the truth. Stuff doesn't produce in the first year. Not always. And if it does, you better be careful because it can overproduce and then tear the limbs down and break limbs off because it can't handle the fruit. But I've noticed this too. My grandfather used to take this. He would dig around stuff if it wasn't doing well. Now, he did old school. He did some chicken litter and stuff like that and just throw it and mix it all. He would mix it into the dirt. He would mix it into dirt. He would put some digging around this plant, and then he would put some mulch around it and kind of take care, and he would water it. He would take care, I've watched him take cuttings from my great-grandparents' house in LaGrange, Georgia, from fig trees, grapevines, you name it, he would cut it, stick it in a wet paper towel in a Coke bottle, bring it all the way back to Rome, Georgia, stick it in a cup, a styrofoam cup, just put some stuff in and just nurture that thing along for a year or two get it to the place where he can plant it into the ground. And I actually have today still grapevines from that cutting that he took from LaGrange, Georgia. It's amazing. All because, though, he took the time to nurture it, to dig around it. Now watch this. I'm going to wrap it up. but just hang and listen. Truth is like digging around. Nobody likes to be... But poking me. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Nobody likes for you to be digging around in my stuff. Who likes anybody to be messing around in your personality? Nobody does. I'm just the way God created me. No, you mean. <laughs> just angry. Well, yeah, but, uh, yeah. No, no, no. You're just short-tempered. It's not cool. When everybody wants to dig around, you say, leave me alone. it hurts. I don't want to talk about it. The problem is you don't want anybody to dig around the truth. But if you don't let them dig around, they can't add some fertilizer in. And the fertilizer is what's going to help you grow and develop. But if you don't let anybody touch the stuff that hurts or the stuff that you think is fine, you can't be helped. Jesus called it this, in seeing they cannot see, and in hearing they cannot hear, lest they turn to me and be healed. I don't know about you, but as a believer, I don't want to be blind to what Jesus wants to do in my life. I don't want to be deaf to what he says to me in my life. Seriously, this. many times we, we hide from this in time. And I'm going to ask our worship team to come up, and I want you to listen to me as I close out with these thoughts. If it's all grace and no truth, man, it's just freedom to do whatever you want. If it's all truth and no grace, it's going to be harsh. And it's just really difficult to, to be able to, to live as a Christian with only truth. The goal is to be able to have both grace and truth. It's like salting a ribeye. It just works. But watch this. Anybody who cooks know this is true. I, I used to burn steaks like... Like if I cooked just... It made me so mad. I would buy these good steaks, cut ribeyes, man, marbled up good. i throw them on the ground. Bam! You know, i throw some table saw. I'm thing I'm like... And it just burned it. It was charred. It wasn't done. It was just miserable. I hated cooking steaks. I'm like, yeah, I can't figure this out. But then... I started asking other people who did cook good steaks what do you do? and they asked me how are you cooking it? Well, I throw it on the grill that's your problem We well, you missed my problem everybody throws it on the grill no, no, no you can nothing wrong with get some charred gr- but if you got a gas grill it's going to be eh. charcoals the way got to go. get the coals hot you got to do this and they start telling me how to do it with a the grill then I taught some other people how they pan fried. some ribs. I know I'm making you hungry I'm hungry too I'm going to eat here in a little bit but I learned this about steak watch this if you cook a steak if you've never cooked one before you wouldn't know this but if you cook you know what I'm talking about if you've done this you pan fry it, you cook it but when it sears all those juices and everything you gotta have a hot pan that kosher salt's been sitting in it man it's just you're like wow look at that thing you flip it over you don't let it go too long maybe a couple of minutes maybe it just depends on how big and thick the steak is you flip it over not pressing, I'm just saying that steak is just simmering smoke's going, people's getting hungry saliva's coming out their mouth I mean it's just, oh man there's going to be a run at Longhorn today baby I'm telling you right now, they ought to thank me for this message, but that steak is cooking, but watch this, here's what you gotta you can't do you can't keep cooking it you know what you gotta do get it off the skillet set it to the side and everybody that cooks what do you do, let it got to give it some time and let it rest. But you know what? If you're here today and you're a Christian and you think for a moment that God's grace is, oh, I got the grace of God and you're going to change tomorrow. I hate to tell you this. You're going to wake up tomorrow and be disappointed. You will change, but it might not happen tomorrow. And for everybody else in the room, we ought to extend grace to people who are trying to walk with Jesus and change their lives and stop expecting them to be like you if you've served Him for 30 years and they've been serving Him for three days. It's not going to happen. They're not going to have a prayer life like you. At the same time, while we're thinking about that, it takes time to grow. Be willing to give yourself time and others time. Now, there comes a time and a season where you say, you know what? I've done all I can do. Done all I can do. I've extended. I've done, you know, and I'm not talking about, you don't understand. Y'all know this. I'm not talking about if people are abusing. I'm not talking about you just, you understand what I'm talking about today. Don't cloud what I'm saying with something else. Don't let people tell you. No, 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 no. I'm talking about abuse and things like that. I'm talking about true development as a Christian. It takes time, it takes truth, and it takes grace. All three, if you're really going to see growth. Now, I'm going to wrap up the scripture. This is what James says, and we're going to sing the song, which I think is very, very fitting today. James says this Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, why would he say that? Because he understood grace, truth, and time. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect, complete, and needing nothing. It sounds like somebody that knows how to cook a good ribeye to me. Nobody likes to go through things. No one wants to go through issues. No one wants to deal with the truth of what's going on in their life. Nobody, myself included. But the reality is, if I'm going to grow, I've got to be willing to accept the truth of what someone tells me or what I see in Scripture. But I have also need the grace to be able to change, and someone's gonna have to give me some time to let God do his work in me. As he digs around, as he throws the fertilizer in. So this morning, would you close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment? We're gonna close out in just a minute with a song of worship. And I just want to encourage each one of you here. If you're here today and you're you're a person who is easily, just you by default, by nature, you're a person of grace. You always give grace, man, you extend grace. You're just constantly to the point of where sometimes you let people just kind of walk over you a little too much. Can I invite you today to look at the other side of the coin, which is truth, and begin to add that into your life? i us say you have to be harsh. Just add the other side of the coin into your life. But if you're here today and you're like me, if you're a person who's, man, just by default, you're a truth person. And it's just, that's you. It's black and white. You see the world the way it is and just the way it is. Why don't people get it? You just don't understand why people just don't understand. Well, listen, can I invite you today to begin to look at the other side of the coin, which is grace. And begin to learn how to extend it to people even when they do not deserve it. Because it's not really grace if you give it to those who deserve it. Think about that. And then for all of us today, that we had learned to allow time to do its work. God says there's seed, there's time, then there's a harvest this morning, I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to help each one of us today to understand grace and truth and time. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray today, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, I pray they would receive your son, Jesus Christ, today. So if you're here and you don't know Christ, maybe you're here and you came to church today and you were looking, you were searching, you're asking God, Lord, I don't know how to have you as my Savior. I don't understand. And I'm talking about grace and you're hearing this and you're saying, man, I need that, Jody. I need I need the grace of God because I don't deserve this any other way. If that's you here and you want to pray to receive Jesus, we're going to pray together as a church. And I want you to make this prayer, make this your confession today, out loud with everyone else in this room. Just pray this with me right now. Say, dear Jesus, I come before you today. And I give you my life. I give you my heart. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I receive you as my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.